Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. How many is excited about Jesus? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's get fired up about it. It's good. Now, the disclaimer to this word today is that this is not going to be a topical sermon. It's not going to be an exegetical sermon. The best way I can characterize it is it's going to be a shotgun sermon. Um, for those of you who are from the South and you remember way back, I'm going to date myself, you remember the comedian Jerry Clower. And Jerry, in his Southern humor, always used to talk about uh, hunting raccoons. And Uncle Bercy had gotten treed by a raccoon and he was up in the top of the tree and he was doing what the southern people call squalling. <laughs> we heard some squalling this morning, didn't we? <laughs> when you cry to God, sometimes you're just squalling. But he heard some squalling. It was kind of like, oh, oh, God. He said he was in pain where that raccoon had clawed him. And he said, Uncle Bercy, I need you and Marcel to shoot up in here among us because one of us has got to have some relief. And so I don't know but what some of us this morning, we may need, we may need some relief from what the enemy has tried to place on us or maybe what our flesh has led us into through choices that we shouldn't have made without the counsel of the Lord. We need his word to guide us and to direct us. I was looking for my grandson this morning. I don't see, I don't see him here. They, he said he was going to be here, but anyway, I'll tell the story on him. If he was here, I was going to bring him up here because he's a handsome dude. And uh, can you tell I'm a proud grandfather? Zion Horton, Ryan and Ida's son. Is he here? Or did he just go out? Oh, they're in the bathroom? Okay, if he comes in. If he comes in. I always do this thing with him. I've always done it. Some of you will remember the Life Cereal commercial. And the Life Cereal commercial... Mikey's sitting in the chair and the two brothers are on the other side and they're not certain if they like to try the new life cereal. So they say, let's give it to Mikey and see if he likes it. Mikey tries it, he likes it. And they go, hey, Mikey, he likes it. So when we were introducing broccoli to Zion and he took his first bite of it, I said, Zion, do you like it? He smiled and went, I said, he likes it. He loves it. 
It's going to be good. So anytime we introduce a new food to them now, we'll say, do you like it? And they'll smile and go, yeah, we like it. We love it. He likes it. Now the hope is this morning that you're going to like the word of the Lord. Psalm 34, 8. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Now, prophetically, declaration this morning. Already the word of the Lord. I said, God, if this is really where you want us to go, give us confirmation during the praise and worship time. And I, haven't even, I hadn't even spoken to Allison because she's been off for the last two weeks suffering for Jesus at Dollywood. <laughs> so, I, somebody's got to do it. So it might as well be her, her family. Well-deserved vacation, though. But, but when they broke into this, uh, I knew, okay, God, thank you. This is, this is where you want us to go. This is my daily bread. Hmm. That got me. Can you say it? You are my daily bread. You are my daily bread. Your Holy Spirit living in me. And I'm, I'm desperate for you. And I, I'm lost without you. Father, the spirit of revelation is in this house. We thank you for it. We're desperate for you. We want to taste and see your goodness. We want to taste by reason of experience. And when we taste you, we'll like it. We'll know that you are good. You are altogether good. And you have only good things in store for us because you are the Lord of that which is only good for our maturing, for our growth in the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, give me words to say, give them ears to hear, that together your body will be edified and we will be drawn closer to you that we might be the effective servants of the most high God that you've called us to be. Amen. 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 Yeah, uh, let me just do a quick disclaimer, another disclaimer before I get into this real quick. Uh, where uh, Brandon said, we, we all run to our political corner. <clears throat> it's, it's easy for us to do that, and we find out, we kind of find out who's, who we are and what our political persuasion is during these 
seasons of campaigning and election. But don't forget this, okay? Hear, hear the counsel from the old guy because I know I don't look it, but in two months I'll be 73. So, come on. All right. I'm older than dirt. Some of you, uh, yeah. And, and, and another thing, uh, since I've got the microphone this morning, my bride and I, this July the 7th, just celebrated 50 years of matrimonial bliss. Oh, yeah. And I just, we love our kids because they took us to the Gaylord Palms and treated us to a weekend of, mm-hmm, it was wonderful. But don't run to your political corner and get caught up in that. Why? Because you're not citizens of this world. You're not citizens here. You're kingdom people. You're citizens of a kingdom. And you have a higher calling than to get embroiled and entangled. And you can run around here and blaming all your politicians and it's Biden's fault and it's Trump's fault and it's this one, it's that one, it's this. You can start assigning blame and that means nothing. It will accomplish nothing. The only way you're going to accomplish anything is to get involved in the work of the kingdom. What God called you to do. What's that? Setting the captive free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So maybe we'll find out today what the, uh, what the purpose of, and the goal of the, of the church really is in the, in the time that I've got. Let's see how much time I've got remaining here. Because I was raised in a, in a Pentecostal preacher's home. And, of course, um, <laughs> my dad, being a, a preacher, used to, he, used, he was reared up by a pastor that said um, did you bring your sack lunch with you today that meant we're going to be here a while <laughs> and uh, most of the services in early Pentecost went anywhere from oh two to three to four hours so uh, hallelujah we won't be here that long today all right I'll, I'll keep a I'll keep a handle on it I love you. It's back there, that sweet girl. Yeah. I love this. Um, revelation happened to me this morning. I, I was awakened at 5.30. I appreciate what our elders do every Sunday when they come prepared with a word from the Lord. Nobody understands what preparation to deliver to a body of people is like unless you've done it and so I, I understand what they go through in terms of the preparation of it and then the delivery of it because a couple of hundred folks here today and everybody is filtering what I'm saying through your field of experience what you have experienced from the Lord, what you've experienced in life, your, your whole life story, your whole life journey. And you're filtering it through that. 
So it's easier for us to just sit where you're sitting and remain silent. It's like <laughs> I heard one time, it was a very humbling experience, and it said, uh, better to remain silent and thought a fool than to open mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> I said, that's very humbling. You know? But uh, the word of the Lord and the delivery of it puts on those who have been called by the Lord. Understand, all of us have been called, but when there is a specific calling with an assignment on it, you can't run from it, you have to run to it. And so there's a, there's a calling. So when Brandon sent me the text a couple of weeks ago and said, are you, are you ready? You have to give Jesus your yes if you've been called. You say yes. Not because the elders asked, but because the assignment of the Lord's on your life. So let's, let's, let's dive in. I'll give you this as we're diving into the word. Psalm 34, 8 and Ephesians 4, 16 and James 5, 16. That's kind of why I said the shotgun approach. We're, we're going to look at several verses of scripture and see where we're going. Uh, here's, I love this quote from Bill Johnson. The spirit of offense will gift you with the ability to hear things that haven't been said. Wow, isn't that good? The spirit of offense will gift you with the ability to hear things that haven't been said. I wonder what they're thinking about me. I wonder what they're saying about me. I love this, a cartoon of this two ladies that were kind of the church gossips were talking together and one lady said to the other, I've already told you more than I know. Think about it. Hallelujah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Taste and see. By reason of experience. Tommy Tenney said in his book, The God Chasers, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. You can't talk me out of it because I've experienced it. It's ingrained into my spirit. It's part of who I am and whose I am. He is the one that is worthy of my worship. Dave brought a masterpiece last week on worship. The heart posture. The presence posture. That's what we're after here at Heart of the Father. Is the presence of the Lord. His presence in worship. It's more than a song. It's a posture of our spirit. It's what we bring to offer the Lord as the sacrifice that we're prepared to lay before him. Taste and see by reason of experience. The Lord is good. 
and you're blessed when you trust in him. Lord, I said, how will I know that I trust you? He said, when you can take the circumstances of your life that trouble and vex your soul and you rest in me. Rest in the Lord. I know we sang the old hymn as I was a boy growing up. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace. To trust him more. Oh, I'm seeing, hey, come on, some young people. I'm seeing y'all's mouths move out there. Don't give yourselves away and tell me you know these hymns. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. I can see what God's doing. I see his work in my life. Yesterday was an eventful day. This has been an eventful week. Yesterday, I drove six hours, three to Jacksonville and three back for a service of my wife's uh, first cousin, longtime family member. Been knowing him all 50 years we've We've been married. The Lord will teach you things along the way. Everything, every circumstance, every situation of your life. I was thinking about it when I woke up at 5.30 this morning. I'm, I'm sitting there and revelations going on. And I thought, well, should I relate this? Yeah. <clears throat> the Lord is good. Yesterday morning, we get up at 5 o'clock. We get dressed. We leave. We're headed up I-95. I'm running an hour ahead of schedule. I mean, the drive was smooth, not a whole lot of traffic. Everything's going great. I'm 28 miles outside of Jacksonville. I'm about 30 minutes away from our destination. And boom, traffic stops abruptly. And for the next hour and a half, we sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic for an hour and a half. I thought I'm running an hour ahead of schedule. Have you ever been running along in the journey of life thinking that everything was just going smooth and you were going to be able to just get to your destination unhindered and unhampered and then all of a sudden, boom, something hits you and stops you dead in your tracks. And there you are and there you sit. And here in the midst of that, the Lord is graciously teaching, teaching, teaching patience. Teaching his goodness. And graciously, we trusted him. We sent a text to the people. We're running late. We'll be there. We're going to try to hold it up. Hold up. How do you hold up a funeral? You know, they're waiting on us. We get out of the traffic jam. Thank God we're going. I put the pedal to the metal. We're going to make it. We're not going to be as late as we thought we were. I put the pedal to the metal. I'm running along, and I get on 295, and we're almost there. We're within two miles of our exit. 
I'm passing everything in sight. <laughs> Within two miles of the exit, and all of a sudden I look in my rearview mirror and here's a red and blue light. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Taste and see the Lord is good. Yeah. Duval County Sheriff gets out and walks up to the window. Driver's license, please. I'm trying to dig it out of my hip pocket. He said, sir, did you not see me when you passed me? I said, I said, officer, I'm on my way to a funeral. He said, I don't care where you're going. He said, do you see that speed limit sign up there? I said, yes, sir. He said, what does it say? He said, it said 65. He said, that's what you're supposed to be going. I said, sir, I'm sorry. I'll just have to throw myself on your mercy. You give me a ticket or whatever. He said, do you own this car? Yeah. So he went back, ran my license plate. He comes back up and he says, oh, I see you're from Polk County. <laughs> Lakeland, Florida. He gets right up in the window. He says, what do you think Grady Judd would say to that? I said, Grady would probably write me a ticket. <laughs> he said, well, I'm going to show you mercy. Don't go over 65 again. There you go. Boy, I was really ready to taste and see. I said, God is good. He just saved me about 150, 200 bucks right there. Hallelujah. How many know the Lord's good? Yes. Why? Because you've tasted by reason of experience. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are they that hunger. You are my daily bread. You hunger and thirst after righteousness for you. How many is hungry this morning? Here's the promise. You're going to be filled. He's going to fill you up and he's going to overflow you. We used to say it in old time Pentecost. He filled up my cup. My cup ran over and my saucer got a blessing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're going to be filled with the goodness of the Lord. Ephesians 4, 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Now we talk a lot about supply around here. And I want to tell you, I've wrestled with supply. I've been in, it, in, in Christianity a long time, but I've wrestled with what does supply look like here? What is your supply? Supply. I thought about it in, in builder's terms. My dad was a builder. We built churches. We built parsonages. We built homes. We, a lot of buildings. You go to Home Depot, there's a whole lot of departments there. There's plumbing. There's paint. There's carpentry. There's mason work. There's woodwork. There's all kinds of stuff there. There's all kinds of tools that are available there. Why? Because they're making available the tools that you need to construct the house that you want to build. 
to do the repair that you want to build. Every joint, every person here, you're a Home Depot representative. You know why? Because if this is home for you, then God has called you to supply everything this body needs, every joint, every, every sinew, every cell, every muscle, every part, every fiber of your being is called here to supply the good thing that the Lord has assigned or called you to do. Now, your responsibility is to discover what that is. What is my supply? What is my gifting? What is my calling? He says, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. He says, I'm going to make you effective in what you do. What I've assigned you to do. But the first step is to answer the call. If you believe the Lord is good, then you want to distribute his goodness to everybody that you come in contact with. Making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, we don't talk about that a lot, but I want to tell you that the goal of the church when we assemble together as the called out ones out of this world, the ecclesia, when we're called together, we're here for one purpose. And that is to build one another up in our faith. It's called edify. Build up. Increase our faith. I've already seen the manifestation of it this morning. Over here in the altar, there was groups praying for people that were crying out for more of God. We imparted the peace of God this morning to Benji. Why? Because we are here to supply that which is needed by the body at any given moment. We never know when it's going, we're going to be called upon. So it's our responsibility not only to be prepared, but stay prepared for the assignments that God gives us. So when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you step out in faith and you move in the assignment that the Lord has called you so that your supply then becomes the effectual working of edification in the body. Every joint supplies that which is needed. Hallelujah. Now James gets down to the nitty gritty. I love the book of James. It's one of my favorite books because James is so practical in his application. You want to know what supply looks like? Read the book of James. He'll tell you. Now here's a good one. James chapter 5. Look at verse 16. This is a good one. You ready? God's good. Here's one we have a problem doing in the body of Christ. I'll tell you this. Preachers probably have the worst problem with it. Confessing our faults. Did you get that? Confess your sins to one another. Oh, boy. Really? Are you, Randy, are you kidding me? Confess my sins? Come clean with stuff that's, nobody, it's, it's, it's grimy, it's dingy, it's, nobody wants to hear my sin. 
But the word of God says, here's the practical application. Confess it to one another. Now, do you understand that we who are hearers, when somebody confesses sin, have a responsibility not to run around the body gossiping. He didn't say when somebody tells you their fault or their sin, go around spreading it all over the body. He, what does he say? Pray for one another so that you can be healed. Hallelujah. That's the scriptural application. Pray for each other and God will bring the healing. And then he says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. It will accomplish much. It does it every time. It will accomplish it. But many times, we get caught up in the busyness of what's going on in the body. That we forget the one simple thing that folks need most. I want to relate to you a, a, a modern day parable. When I read it, it, it just arrested my spirit. It's titled The Beggar and the Bread. A beggar came and sat before me and he said, I am hungry. I want bread. How wise you are, I assured him. Bread is what you need. You've come to the right bakery. So I pulled out my cookbook down from my shelf and I began to tell him all I knew about bread. I spoke of flour and wheat and grain and barley. My knowledge impressed even me as I cited the measurements and recipe. When I looked up, I was surprised to see he wasn't smiling. I want bread, he said. How wise you are, I applauded his choice. Follow me and I'll show you our bakery. Down the hallowed halls, I guided him, pausing to point out the rooms where the dough is prepared and the ovens where the bread is baked. No one has such fine facilities as we. We have bread for every need. But here is the best part, I proclaimed as I pushed open two swinging doors. This is our room of inspiration. I knew he was moved as we stepped into the auditorium full of stained glass windows. The beggar didn't speak. I understood his silence. With my arm around his shoulder, I whispered, it overwhelms me as well. I then leaped to the podium and struck my favorite pose behind the lectern. People come from miles to hear me speak. Once a week, my workers gather and I read to them the recipe from the cookbook of life. By now, the beggar had taken a seat on the front row. I knew what he wanted. Would you like to hear me? No, he said, but I would like some bread. How wise you are, I replied. 
and I led him to the front door of the bakery. What I have to say next is very important, I told him as we stood outside. Up and down this street, you will find many bakeries. But take heed, they don't serve the true bread. I know of one who adds two spoons of salt rather than one. I know of another whose oven is three degrees too hot. They may call it bread, I warned, but it's not according to the book. The beggar turned and, been, and began walking away. Don't you want bread, I asked him. He stopped, looked back at me, and shrugged his shoulders. I guess I lost my appetite, he said. I shook my head and returned to my office. What a shame, I said to myself. The world just isn't hungry for true bread anymore. Do you get the gist of the parable? All they want is the true bread. All they want is the bread of life bread breaking bread together is important because we come here and we eat the meal of the Lord once a month we eat the meal of the Lord we drink the wine and we eat the bread we're friends many of you will go out to lunch today after service we share the common bond such feelings of Camaraderie and fellowship are apparent throughout the Bible. It's as though eating is more than a matter of ingestion of food. It is participating in all that it means to be a human being. We share that mutuality with all those around us. Amos 8, 11. Get this and note this. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine of hearing the word of the Lord. Nutritionists tell us that a healthy diet should contain at least four to six servings of fruit to build up our antioxidant levels to cause, prevent deterioration of our physical body. But we similarly remember to feast on fruits that come from the Holy Spirit's anointing. Do we remember his infusing, his enabling, his filling of us with power and anointing from on high? But you will receive power from on high after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me tell you by reason of experience, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, you ought to receive him. You ought to welcome him in. You ought to let him make his presence known so that his power is available and resident in your life. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's what we're up against, body of Christ. That's why we need every person available. 
That's why we, it's our responsibility to answer the call. Ron Luce, the founder of Teen Mania and Acquired the Fire, made this observation. He writes, 65% of the builder generation profess to be born again. Only 37% of boomers, that's my generation, profess to be born again. 25% of busters, the baby busters, profess to be born again. And only 4% of millennials profess to be born again. What's happened? The question begs to be asked. Have we lost our taste for God? Have we lost our taste and our sensitivity, our passion and our purpose for God's will at work in our lives? Taste, to eat, to ingest, to discern, to perceive, to evaluate. You know, the older I get, the more I evaluate. I try to put the brain in gear before the mouth. You ever ran into folks that they just, they, they've already been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and they can read your commentary on it. But the word of the Lord says, evaluate to discern what the will of the Lord is. It means to put to the test. Listen to the old man. For some of you younger folk. If you haven't been tested, you will be tested. You will be tested. I've had folks come and ask me. I had one young guy. I'm. I'm ready to go into the ministry. He wanted me to just set him forth and he's ready to, he was on fire for God. He's just ready to get out there and set the woods on fire. I said, brother, you got more zeal than you got knowledge because you haven't been tested yet. And he went ahead and he got out there. There was no no one mentoring him, no one backing him, but he went ahead and got out there and he caught a fire and burned up because he didn't have any wisdom to go along with his zeal and his passion for God. And when the test and the trial came, he didn't know how to do what James 1 describes. Brothers, there's fiery trials, there's testings that are going to be coming, so consider it joy when it comes. You have to learn that by reason of experience and understand that when you're in the midst of a fiery trial, God is still good. In the midst of difficulty and struggle, God is still good. He's still on the throne. He still holds you in the palm of his hand. You can still trust him with your very life. 
So when the testing comes, you choose to have joy. I think I was probably in my 30s when Ryan was born. I won't tell the whole story, but I felt like Abraham. I went in and I'd had a dream and the Lord said, you're going to have a son. I went into Madeline and made the announcement, Madeline, we're going to have a son. We hadn't even conceived yet. We're going to have a son. She says, oh, really? You may be going to have a son. Not me. I won't know part of it. I said, but the Lord said. She said, I don't care what God said. He didn't tell me. Her favorite phrase to me, she, at that time, she said, I've already been into the jaws of death twice for you. And I don't know that I want to go there again. Part of learning pastoral ministry, you get real transparent. You know why we do that? Because we want you to know we hurt just like you do. We have pain and struggle, suffering. But we want you to know where we've placed our hope and our trust. We've tasted of him. And once we've tasted him, we can't get enough. She, she said, she finally, she finally heard from the Lord she prayed about. said, okay. We, we went to Lamaze, but we never... We didn't do the, we didn't do the, the test, whatever, it's the test that reveals the sex of the baby. Ultrasound, thank you, Julie. Uh, but we, and so we didn't know. So when he was, when it was time for him to be born, we, I'm, I was there in the room with her and she was having difficulty with the delivery and the Lord's uh, the Lord said wait on me so we just settled down we waited on, on the Lord and the pediatrician had come in and said we don't want the baby to get in distress we need to go ahead and do a c-section I'd already signed the papers we're standing there all of a sudden she has a couple more contractions. OBGYN doctor comes in and says, forget the C-section. She's delivering right now. Boom. I mean, it happened just that quick. And I, I'm standing there, and I'm, he's birthed. And I look, and I Madeline, it's a boy. This is our son. This is the son of promise. Pediatrician comes in. They're smacking him on the bottom, and he's not... He's still a little blue. He's not pinking up. They rushed him down to neonatal. So we need to send him up to Shans. He's on a jet within 24 hours to Shans. I'm feeling like Abraham. 
I promised you a son. Now put him on the altar. Has that ever happened to anybody here when God promised you something and then all of a sudden it didn't go according to plan and you have to put it on the altar? You have to trust God in the midst of it. But you've tasted of him and you know that his goodness never fails. Long story short, because we lived it out. Three open heart surgeries. Will you be tested? Will it test your faith? It tests your faith when you take your little eight-month-old and you hand him to the surgeon and you don't know if you're going to get him back alive again. Test your faith. What are you going to do, Horton? Are you going to walk by faith? Are you going to live in fear? Are you going to trust me and hold on to the goodness of the Lord? His last surgery, when he had, the, his, had his valve put in, <clears throat> the surgeon comes in. We're all standing around his bed. And here was his proclamation now. This is eight months. He's like 28. And he has a relationship with the Lord. He's taking it. We're standing around his bed with the surgeon. We're holding hands and we're praying. And he says... I'm trusting the Lord with this. He said, because either way, I win. Either way. So do you choose joy in the midst of that moment? Or do you despair? You choose joy. For to me, to live is Christ. Even if I die, Paul said, it's gain. I want to stay if I can because I've not completed my course yet. I'm not finished with the assignment. But I'm committed to the will of the Lord that whatever he wants, I'm resigned to it. What is it he wants for your life? What is it he wants for you? What is it that he's calling you to? To bring your supply. To lay it before him. To put everything on his altar of sacrifice. And say, Lord, I'm here. You've called me. Use me. Here's my supply. Here's what I bring to you. Here's my gifting. Here's the anointing that I have. Some of you have giftings. The Lord spoke to me. About two months ago, we were in Tennessee for our grandson's graduation. We visited a couple of churches while we were there on Sunday morning. And at both places, the Lord spoke these words to me. I'm not finished with you yet. I get home and I'm watching a pastor friend of mine. He pastors up in, well, our kids go to his church in Chattanooga, Redemption to the Nation's Church. And Kevin was preaching. He broke into this little chorus. He was there. He was preaching at Marvin Winans Church in, in Detroit, Michigan. 
And this little, this little phrase that he was singing got into my spirit. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. There's so much more to your story. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Benji, there's so much more to your story. He's not done with you yet. Am I talking to anybody in this place this morning? He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. If that's you, just lift your hand with me. There's so much more to your story, Rico. He's not done with you yet. Say it with me. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. There's so much more to your story. He's not done with you yet. How many believe that this morning? How many receive it? I receive it in the name of the Lord. He's not done with us. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Taste and see. Taste and see. Now, we're not leaving here without an assignment. I'm not done. I just have to quit. I brought two messages this morning. One had 14 pages. The other one had 55. You got the condensed version. When we talk about worship, we're talking about identity. Worship is, is if you break it down, it's called worth shaping. Worth shaping. What is God doing? When you taste and see, when you worship him, when, you're, when you lay your life before him, he is shaping your worth. He is shaping your identity. Who you are in Christ. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. He's living inside of you. The problem we have is beating this old fleshly body under the subjection and submission of the spirit. My soul got saved, but I'm having problems with the flesh. You don't believe it? Read Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? The good that I want to do, I do not because of the evil that's always present. Thanks be to God. It's through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives me the victory. 
That's why I can't wait to get to Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm not walking according to the flesh anymore, but I walk according to the Spirit that has the life-giving properties and power of God that's been released in me. Oh, my God. I'm quitting here. <laughs> Got to quit because this gets going. He started a work in you, folks. Come on, family. Come on, family. Are we family here? That's what I love about this community. I tell it everywhere I go. I've never been around. When I came here seven years ago, I was a wounded, broken, hurting, dismissed pastor. And we came in the first Sunday and sat right over there. And guess what happened? Seven people came up and wrapped their arms around us and prayed over us. And they didn't know us. We had no clue. And I'm going to tell you something. For the last seven years, the Lord's healed. The Lord's restored. The Lord's built up. We've tasted of his goodness here. This is a loving body. This is a safe environment to mature in. People aren't going to gossip about you. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to beat you up. How many has ever been to church and you've been beat up with the word of the Lord? You can. You can beat people up with it. But we're here to take the oil of gladness and joy and pour it into your wounds. And bind up your broken heart and your spirit. And love on you. And say, taste and see. The Lord is good. Hallelujah be to God. Amen. He's not done with you yet. You thought it was over. You thought you had no use. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with you. He's not done with you. There's more to your story. There's more he has in store for you. And you're going to find expression of that gifting and calling in this body. Because we're here to give life to it. What does that mean? You step out in faith for God and go to one of the elders or a deacon. You know, I believe the Lord's called me to work in children's ministry. Why did it get so quiet in here? Did I hit a nerve? Huh? You know, we do need supply out there. Did did I miss that, Barry? He says it's true. We need supply. Why? We need dedicated, because we're raising up another generation. I want my Zion and zeal to know that they can taste and see. And when I look at Zion and say, Zion, do you like it? He goes, yeah. The goodness of the Lord. It's more than just eating broccoli. It's experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus. How many of us say, Randy, he's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to your story. Bring your supply. Here's your assignment. This is a good one. 
You don't come into Randy Horton's class and not get an assignment. Huh? We, listen, read James. Don't just be hearers of the word. Because listen, I got over the fear of man a long time ago. I'm too old. I've already experienced too much of the goodness of the Lord. Whether you like this or not, whether you want to receive it. You know, it doesn't bother me when I see people walking out. It doesn't bother me. I've already tasted of too much of the goodness of the Lord. But when we come together, we've got to learn to be doers of the word. It's like last week. Dave preached a masterpiece on worship. Have we been exercising worship? We've been thinking about what it means to let him shape our worth. Our hot heart posture. Or do we just come here and go through the same old motions? This isn't the liturgy. This isn't the liturgia. This is the rhema word of the living God. The logos becomes the rhema. The written word, the spoken word becomes the lived out word. Hello? You, Paul said, are living epistles. People are watching you. I caught you in the act. What did I do? I caught you in the act of being a Christian. You're more like Christ than you're like the world. We got it? Here's what we do. The goal of why we've met here today is to edify one another. This is not mission impossible. This is mission possible. You ready? Your assignment should you accept it, <laughs> is before you leave today, before you leave, you are to edify at least three people. You go to them and you edify. You edify. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, we went to this funeral service. And here's what blew me away. Of all the years I've, I've known this guy. <clears throat> he lived a very hard life. But in the end. One of his four sons. Had received Christ. And is a Christ follower today. And led him to the Lord. And prayed the sinner's prayer with him. And he received Jesus. But here's the beauty. <clears throat> He got so feeble, he wasn't able to take care of himself. And the only person that he trusted to take care of him was his ex-wife. Now, she was raised Catholic. Understood what it means to serve. And she takes care of him and is in the room when, the, when he draws his last breath. I'm thinking, how many men let their ex-wives take care of them? You don't find that too often. But she takes care of him all the way through. 
So I went to her son yesterday and I said, I want to convey to your mom and let her know that she's a hero. She's a hero. She laid aside all of the wounds of divorce and the hurt and pain and everything that she had went through. And she takes care of this guy till he goes on to glory. And I said, she's, in my book, she deserves a medal. She's marvelous. Are you getting what I'm saying? I mean, find something that you can see in somebody that it was Christ and Christ alone that began to manifest. And just go to them and say, hey, I just want you to know. And you fill in the blank. All right? How many accept the assignment? Five. All right, here we go. Lord, you're not done with us yet. We've tasted of your goodness. You're calling heart of the Father, every person here under the sound of my voice, to bring their supply. Every joint that supplieth. Let the work that your Holy Spirit has assigned each of us to do You've equipped us, you've enabled us, you've empowered us to do exactly what you've called us to do. This body will be richer, it will be fuller, it will be more productive. It has been prophesied over this body that what is coming, that the Lord will send wave after wave of his glory, we better be prepared to handle it. We better be prepared to do what he's calling us to do. Don't wait till he gets here. Prepare now. This is the preparation time. This is the transition time. So Lord, we accept your assignment. We've tasted of your goodness. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your grace. Your love. And your mercy. And let us be the ones who are the carriers of that. That demonstrate it. Everywhere we go. In Jesus name. Amen. I love you family. Bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering. Know that you're more than welcome, and if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com. We hope that